Good morning to you. It is truly wonderful to have live worship. It has been expressed. Um, it's okay to watch worship on TV, but that's watching worship. And uh, so it's been good. Well, when uh, I came in this morning, I was told I was to sit there. I noticed there's no one else, so I'm not sure if you think I have leprosy or whether, or if I'm a Baptist. <laughs> COVID-19 has been a quite an interesting uh, process for us in more ways than one. I want to speak today, I don't know if you have a title up there, you don't. I want to speak today on listening for God to speak. We um, came in this morning and we sang praise. We worship and we heard prayers. When we pray, we're telling God what we need. When we praise, we're thanking God for what he's done. But when we worship, we're focused on God and who he is. So as I've mentioned, we are living in interesting times. There are challenging times uh, for individuals um, still uh, having the opportunity to do a little bit of unofficial counseling and mentoring process for uh, pastors and laity alike. Uh, it's interesting to hear the concerns that they have to deal with. Virgie or some clergy are concerned about will the people come back when this is all over? I mean, we're preachers of heaven, and uh, that's just some concern. So pray for your pastors. Another concern is uh, where there's uh, fractured relationships that are breaking uh, because of the stress of uh, lack of employment or sickness or whatever. There's concern amongst the uh, education department of the government pertaining to child abuse. Uh, when people are confined together for long period of times and told sometimes uh, children's only relief is to go to school or a great relief to go to school. Now, this is darkness that I'm talking about, but we need to be aware that these issues are out there and how we are to pray to address them for individuals and also for organizations. There are the issues of, uh, do we open our business? Do we keep our employees on? And uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't. Am I getting feedback here? No. Um, so these are new challenges, and with it comes uh, new temptations, and we are vulnerable. We are very vulnerable. There's no GPS to guide us uh, as to how we are to live, although we have signs in here that give you some direction as to where you are to go. I see some of you are coming in this door, and some of you are coming in that door, and you're separating as, uh, as best as you can. But then we also have the question, what are we to do with life? How are we to hear from God? And what are we to hear from God? So let me just have a prayer with you. Heavenly Father and gracious, loving God, as I journeyed here this morning, my concern was not so much for what would be said, but what would be heard. So God, 
Thank you for the times that people are able to say, I heard this from God today. It wasn't necessarily through a message that was preached. It could be a song that was sung. It could be a prayer that was prayed. It could be a smile that was given and received, a hug, a greeting. God, you're wonderful, you're marvelous, and you work in your way. You communicate in your way. So I commit this service to you, this congregation, for you to speak and for us to hear in Christ's holy name. Well, I've chosen James chapter two, uh, chapter one rather, verses two and seven for emphasis this morning. And James wrote, and of course he's the brother of Jesus, and you need to remember that he wasn't always a follower of Jesus. And uh, like any siblings, we always look at our siblings with uh, somewhat uh, suspicion when they say they are a God or a type of God. And so this is James, the brother of Jesus, writing these words. He says, Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your face develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And here's the verse. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and he will, it will be given to you. But when he asked, we must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all he does. Back in February, I had uh, something like eight appointments to preach. And it was uh, then coming up to Easter when all the cancellations were taking place, but there was a, a verse or a chapter that was kind of ringing in my heart. It was given me encouragement. And uh, it's Jesus' teachings that I'm so appreciative of. It's Luke chapter 24, it's after the resurrection. It's about two men on a road to Emmaus. The two men were walking with companions. Their companions were discouragement. Their companions were disappointment. They were lockstep with lack of hope. They were downcast. Their life had been torn apart. You see the crust whom they had committed to and offered to be disciples to who were following after him, lost their leader, and they truly did not know what to do. Now, as we look at the story from this perspective, we can understand their dilemma, of course, but we also think, well, hey, wait now, you walked with Jesus. You've seen the miracles. He's done the teaching. Uh, what, what's wrong with you? Why, why can't you just carry on and, and follow his commands? But we are human. And when we're human, we are sometimes slow to hear and slow to respond. And we have this tendency to revert back to what we know. Well, 
in that boy, in that scripture, as they were walking along talking, someone came and they asked them, what are you discussing together? As you walk along, they stood still, their faces downcast them, the downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in that day? What things, he asked. Listen to the question. What things did he ask? Who was the one that was humiliated, beaten, went to a cross, died, went to a cave, was buried, and rose again? It's the one asking the question. They stood still in their faces downcast again. And they said, it's about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was given to redeem Israel what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early that morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what he said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, the one who knew the answers to all the questions, asked these disciples to tell him what they were concerned about. He gave them opportunity to mourn the passing of Jesus. He gave them opportunity to grieve the passing of Jesus and their lifestyles that would be so disrupted. It's interesting for us to hear. If you're ever in the counseling business, no, don't make assumptions. When you're dealing with one another, talking about the things of God, don't make assumptions of what the other person's feeling. And the great teacher is showing us through this example how we are to treat one another, how we are to be with one another. Give opportunity for dialogue. Give opportunity for them to express. That's part of the healing process. People will remember more of what they said than more than what you want to say to them. And they will take that home with them and it will mull around in their heads. And then God's Spirit comes to work. This is what I find. And, and he, he, he then gives them the answers that they need. But oftentimes when we pray, it's a monologue. We come to the altars. We come to God. And we bemoan to him all the things that are wrong. And by the way, God, we'd like for you to heal us. We'd like for you to take care of us. We'd like for you to solve these issues for me. And then we don't take the time to listen to the what God wants to say to us. 
And that's what I want to, us to focus on a little bit today. We don't take the time to listen to what God wants to say to us in this day. But we need to take the advice of Jesus. Look at the prophets. Look at the scriptures. These are Jesus' instructions. And everything he was, he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. He said, look at these examples. God has given us the Bible stories so we can connect with them on all levels, learning who he is and what he truly cares about. Well, once Jesus opened their eyes, once they realized who he was, we need to look at the switch in attitude and energy and enthusiasm. They came from Jerusalem, walking downhearted, downcast, discouraged, not knowing where they were going to do, or what they were going to do about it. And when they've seen that it was Jesus himself who had come to them and talked to them and told them to open the scriptures and understand them, he gave them spiritual eyes to see, a spiritual ears to hear, and a spiritual heart to understand. And when they went back from Emmaus to Jerusalem, they weren't walking down here. We're told they rushed. I think they ran because they had exciting news to tell the disciples we met with the Christ. He's alive. He's alive. He has risen indeed. And that's where that story ends. They heard him speak. They heard him speak. In your prayers, do you hear God speak? Or are you too busy? If you went to a doctor and you said to the doctor, I've got this list for you, these things are wrong with me, and I'm looking for healing. And then when the doctor was ready to give you the remedies or the prescriptions or the advice or whatever you need to become better. And then you say to him, oh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm in a hurry. I have to take the wife shopping. Or I have to pick up the children. I have to do this. You see, we live in that kind of a world where we're always rushing, always in a hurry, and all, everything has to be instantaneous. And we leave without receiving the prescription, without receiving the advice and the instructions on what we're to do and how we're to treat ourselves. So what would that doctor say to you? What would that doctor think of you? Do we take time to listen to God? Sometimes that can take 20 minutes. Sometimes it can take a half hour. We need to be careful in our prayer life that it's not just a monologue. If we really want to hear from God, it needs to be a dialogue and we need to give him time to speak in his way. As I peruse scripture, I'm always amazed. The beauty of it is we have not arrived and we're growing daily, hopefully in Christ's likeness from glory to glory. This is God's intention for us. But as I read scripture and I realize he's used all creation to speak to us, do we hear him? He used a donkey to speak to the elephant. 
in that story. He used a whale to redirect Jonah's uh, travels. He used a rooster to speak to Peter. He used the elements. He used the wind and the rain. So these are all found in God's book called the Bible, the love letter to us. And God knows the soul of our hearts. He knows who we are. He knows how to communicate with us. He has the channel. He knows that channel on how to reach us. So that's why it's so important for us not to copy somebody else, what they're doing, but rather to listen to God and let God speak to you directly with the instructions that he has for you in the manner in which it will come home and have fruit. That's what God wants from us. So we need to take Jesus' advice. We need to look at the prophets. We need to look at the scriptures. God has given these stories so we can understand him better and his love for us and what he cares about. And we can put ourselves into those good stories. I'm ask you a question. Which story in the Bible do you put yourself in? Which story in the Bible can you see a reflection of yourself? Which resembles you? Which do you resemble? We can put ourselves into these great stories. There are two principles, characters, giants, spiritual characters in Scripture whom I look to and appreciate so much. Relating to them through the experiences that God has given me, I can relate and I can understand. One is Barnabas in the Old Testament, and that's my daily life today, to be an encourager to every person I come in contact with. And when God gives me the opportunity to do a mentoring process, and, and I talk less now than I used to, believe it or not, it's, it's exciting to see God work. And the other one is Elijah. I just so much appreciate that man's ministry. 800 years before Christ, 800 years later, after he was taken up in a chariot of fire, he was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we read about him in scripture that says he was a man just like you and I are. So this keeps me grounded, but it gives me hope. So Elijah, let me just share a little bit of his story. It's found in, in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Elijah was a prophet of God. And when you were a prophet in the Old Testament, you were lucky if you didn't have your head locked up. Because that's what people wanted to do. They wanted to kill the messenger. They didn't want to hear everything he had to say. But in this uh, story, found in 1 Kings chapter 17 and following, there was a ruler whose name was Ahab. Ahab was king of Israel. And it says that he had done more evil in the eyes of the Lord than anyone before him. He became a male worshiper who was a very important God in the pantheons of God, gods that were in Israel at that time. They had many uh, gods, but Baal was the god of uh, idolatry. And he married a woman whose name was Jezebel. And it was under his influence that he had turned his attention and his worship to Baal worship. You don't call your daughter Jezebel. She was an evil person. 
and she had influence on this one who did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than anyone else called Elijah. Let me read a statement here. As the Lord of God of Israel lives, whom I serve, this is the message he was given to give to Ahab. There will be neither new dew or rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, the story continues. The challenge was on Mount Carmel, where the God of Israel wanted. That's an exciting story. Elijah felt he was standing all alone. There were 450 Baal prophets. But when the challenge came and God won, Elijah had them killed under the word of God. 450 were killed. And then the rain that God had said would not come, would come. And Elijah was to tell Ahab that. So when all of this happened, Jezebel, burning with rage, were told, made this statement. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if this time tomorrow you are not dead. So where do we see Elijah? He had all these victories, all these experiences of God beaten down the Baal worshippers and Baals themselves. Israel had turned back to God, but with this threat we find him running. Great victories were experienced, but now fright and fear and lack of trust had taken over, and he was on the run. In 2 Kings 19, let me just read this to you. I uh, forgot my glasses today, but I'm, I'm going to be okay. Here, here's a good The Lord appeared to Elijah. Now, Elijah's in a cave. He had run. And the Lord came to, uh, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you hear what he's saying? Do you hear how he's doing it? Do you hear how he's communicating? He doesn't want it to be a monologue, he wants it to be a dialogue, the same as Jesus has done with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Tell me your problem, Elijah, he says. And Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been for you, God. I've done all these things. And the Lord said to him, Now you got to go back. You go back to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, I'm right, that's the king of Pharaoh. And appoint this bow and this bow and this bow. But he also told him, Anoint Elisha. He'll be your replacement. All through your life. We talk to God and we expect God to do.
do things for us, but are we listening for the answer? Listen for God's voice and be encouraged. God knows the windows to your soul. Ask him to help you hear and don't be surprised how he answers. I'm closing the praise of his praise. I received a uh, email, first a phone call, and then a visit over coffee. One of my friends, we have been friends now for about seven years, He's a long-time Christian, and he's working through some things. Uh, he's mid-50s, but he's looking at an exit to his business, and that's not always easy. He's looking at the needs of his family. He's looking for a peace of mind. He has been so busy down through the years taking care of things and he just doesn't have that peace. So he went on a prayer journey, seeking peace, and he sent an email, I'm gonna read you excerpts from it. He said, it started with sitting and working through an exercise in the listening prayer book. He said, after I prayed that little prayer and sat quietly for a moment, the first thing that I noticed were the birds singing outside. Now he said, they have been out there for years, but I have not paid any attention to them. But he said, it was like God said in this time of waiting upon the Lord, he said, I'm here. He said, it's me, I'm, I'm singing to you to soothe your mind, to give you my words, peace of mind, rest of heart, which we all yearned for. So he said, I just rested there and stayed quiet. And then quite clearly, the thoughts of past sins came into my life as a teenager. They came to mind. And he said, this was somewhat troubling because I had experienced this perfect peace I was seeking from God for a little while. But then guilt came in and tried to rob me of that. So I just rested, he said, and almost as clearly as if someone spoke the words I heard in my mind. All through your life, even when you really didn't know me and, and when you weren't living for me as I had liked you to and doing what you are, were doing, he said, in your own eyes, shameful things. But he said, I was there. He said, I was singing my love songs to you. I wasn't burning with anger or figuring out how to punish you. I was singing my love song to you, just like I am right now. I know some of the turmoil that this man is going through, but it blessed my heart to hear him and to read this email. And he went on to say, I, I wish I could say I've been on the mountaintop since July the 29th, 20, so that's what, 11 days ago, he wrote this. He said, I experienced to experience what I just described, but I haven't. He said, I have the taste of glimpses of the mountaintop, but also it's real dark valleys. 
This can be discouraging, but it's real. I've heard lots of feel-good messages that neglect to encourage listeners through the tough times. But he said, I'm learning. I'm learning. What are the takeaways that I want to leave with you today? God is the source of wisdom, James tells us. God wants us to ask for his wisdom, and when we ask, we will receive. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, the door will be opened unto you. So God wants us to ask for the wisdom, and he will generously give to us what we need in the way we need it. Jesus speaks in John's Gospel about sheep, and we are sheep. But he said the sheep recognize God's voice. As Jesus' sheep, we should be able to listen to his voice and follow him because we clearly recognize his voice. As my friend had said, it was like it was a audible voice that came to me. But that is God's spirit ministry to your spirit. That is God looking out for his sheep, taking care of them, speaking to them in a language and in a means of processing which they understand. As Jesus' sheep, we need to listen to his voice and follow him because we clearly recognize his voice. And Jesus is able to lead us precisely because we hear his voice and we follow after him. I got too many stories about that, and I gotta be careful. I don't want to tell too many, but I want to tell one. When I was making the decision to go to college, I met with my two teenage boys and my wife, and I said there's three options: Colorado Springs, Sussex, Dubrovnik, or Canadian Nazarene College. And they all chose Colorado Springs. It sounded so much more exciting. And I told them they're going to Manitoba, wintry Manitoba. Then we went out to a conference there, and as I was there, I was saying, God, now, I need to do this preparation, because preparation is part of our calling. We're not just called, although I did go into the pulpit before doing this, but it wasn't, it wasn't just a call to preach, it was a call to prepare as well, to be a pastor. And when we were there, Somebody had uh, asked some mature students to try and convince me to come. I don't know if they're looking for more students or trying to help me. But they were inundating me with, uh, oh, how wonderful it is. Why, we can make $5 an hour uh, doing security work and we can do our studies at the time. $5 an hour. Well, I used to make that back about 20 years ago, but $5 an hour that I had. So I left there and I paid no attention to them and I didn't really know what I was to do. I was disappointed. I thought, well, this is a big rule, but I need your help. I really need your help. So when we were flying out of Winnipeg, I just looked back over the city, and God said to me, that's where you go. I said, thank you, God. And there was, there was a lot of challenges, but we get through it knowing that this was God's plan. It wasn't dynamic, it was just, this is where you're to go. I ended up making $25 an hour, doing something different than security. God's 
we recognize God's voice in the unique way that he ministers to us. Now, as my friend had shared, he wishes this mountaintop experience that he had with God and the experience of perfect peace for a short while were the end of the story and he went on to live happily ever after. And he said, that's not reality. That's not reality. We get challenged every day. We have an enemy to the soul that wants to condemn us at every turn. But God has given us authority in Christ to silence the other sources and clear the way to hear God's voice and to be confident that it is God's speaking. I don't know if you can say amen, but can you raise your hand? Can you say that's true? God bless us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be able to have this live version. It's blessing my heart. It's given me opportunity to express the love that I have for you. And we come in the precious name of the great teacher, the great prophet, the great Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.